Instagram is the hungry beast. It needs a lot of images. And I think more and more stylists are working, that, who I know in New York, interior stylists, or, or, or you know, just they, they are working more and more for architects and designers because these people need to constantly feed that beast. And, and also, you know, a lot of people don't really finish their homes. I feel that especially with shelves, <laughs> people have all these shelves built and then they don't have any books and they don't have any things. And, you know, they, they don't choose, you know, they haven't figured out what to put on the shelves. Welcome to Imprint a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello and welcome to Imprint. I'm very excited to share my conversation today with Hilary Robertson. Now, you might not know so much about Hilary herself because I didn't. She was a little bit of an enigma, but I was certainly familiar with her work because you would definitely recognize her books. Some of them have been, um, you know, very successful in many homes all around the world, including the Stuff of Life, Monochrome Home, and Nomad at Home. They are all incredibly beautiful books. You would certainly have seen her work. Uh, Hillary is a prolific stylist for a range of brands, and she's had a start in magazines. She has worked with the likes of Living, etc., House and Garden, and also for her client list, you know, it includes Crate and Barrel, West Elm. Um, and she has also collaborated a lot with the interior designer, Leanne Ford. When we started our conversation, she was actually um, just back from a trip and she um, had been working with someone that we both know. And she said she gets called the finisher. She goes into people's homes and finishes them off for them. And um, I thought that that was just such a, a fun way to describe what she does. But she does so many things and we get into her story and what she has learned about, you know, making a big move from living in London to living in New York and how her career has evolved over the years. I hope you enjoy learning more about Hillary as much as I did. Please enjoy my conversation with Hillary Robertson. Hi, Hillary. I Hi. am so excited to have you on the podcast because you are a little bit of an enigma to me, but you... Your name keeps popping up, your work keeps popping up, you know, you incredible with what you create. So um, I would love to learn more about your journey, as I'm sure the listeners would as well. So I often like to start at the beginning and kind of get a little bit more of a background about you, where you grew up and your story, I guess, at that point of you deciding, you know, what you're going to do with your life, you know, when you're kind of post those kind of years. Sure. Can you share a little bit about your sort of background? Yeah, so um, I grew up just outside London, um, went to yeah, 
you know, a very academic girls' school. My mum was a teacher there. For some reason, she had a problem with the idea of art school. So I I don't know why I ever took any notice of that. Um, so eventually I went to university, not art school. Always thought I should have gone to art school. Um, finished university. I had actually worked in an ad agency in a gap year. So I that's the first job I did was I went to work in an ad agency, which I absolutely hated. Um, I had a sort of stupid job. I never really understood what my job was, in fact. But, um, yeah, it was the 80s. Um, and so um, advertising was the big business then. Um, I learned a lot about photography there because I used to go and hang out with the art buyer, uh, with yeah, in the art buyer's office and look at all the photographers' portfolios and and meet people there. And I was... I. I I realized that was interesting and then I really didn't know what a stylist was. I I did meet um I, a couple of stylists I think came into the office and I figured out what they did. It sounded interesting to me. So um yeah, so I thought okay, maybe I can do that. Um maybe that's a a way of doing something visual without having to go and study interior design or whatever I you know the, I think at the time I I was thinking more about fashion styling not interiors uh, I I decided I was gonna go and work as an intern I got my boss to sack me well to say he'd sack me so I could get social security or whatever um and I went and interned for free at Cosmo at um, good housekeeping at um, all sorts of magazines really um, anyone who'd have me and and then I figured out that you know I, I just got the lay of the land I did I saw that if you worked in fashion there are a lot of people involved you know hair makeup you know just, it just seemed more of a caravan whereas and when I saw the interiors well, I thought, okay, that's a little bit easier to to control that. And um a smaller team and I guess that appealed to me. So um then I basically hunted down a magazine job for myself, which is not easy because it's hard to get jobs on magazines, especially when you're sort of starting out. I actually went and worked for a food magazine for about a year. And was the sort of in-house stylist, um, which was great experience. Um, and then I find eventually I started working at Metropolitan Home because Metropolitan Home, American magazine, uh, launched in London, um, and I managed to get myself a job on the on the sort of launch editorial team. Which is I don't know how I did it, but oh no, I I mean I just did it through sheer determination, really. <laughs> Not so, underestimated. Yeah. yeah, and then I learned. <laughs> yeah, right. I learned a lot there. I mean, I worked on a tiny team, and um, I think the people I worked with were much older than me and had a lot less energy. So I ended up doing a lot of things, and you know, set design, um, prop design. I mean, it was it was amazing because I mean, really letting a I guess at that point I was about maybe about twenty-five, 
I really had, you know, I was, they sort of let me do things because they couldn't be bothered. So it was great. Um, and, you know, learnt, learnt things by trial and error, really. And so did you but have any I, yeah, and, Sorry, did you have like any... I, I mean, no, no, they were awful. I worked for all these mean Fleet Street ladies who were, they, they really were not nice. But um, yeah, no, it was tough. It was horrible. I used to kind of, you know, I had to go, I used to go and see a, a healer every weekend to kind of get over stressful it was but um but uh it was I mean I did learn a lot um I I, I really hope women have moved on since then and <laughs> can be nicer to each other but it, yeah it's a good I, I think you know it was just a very particular time in the 80s uh late 80s and um it was I was I, I think I was it was great to get all that um experience with no experience that's kind of amazing I wish I had had a better if I wish I'd had a a, a mentor or was someone to teach me stuff but I really just you know just love I don't know I, I just I'd looked at a lot of things for a lot of years so I, I feel like I had a very good sense of how to do it somehow I don't know I just did it was it through photographers as well? Like, was it a collaborative approach in terms of the sort of sets that you would create or the scenes that you would be styling? Were they like studio set builds um, of like shopping style? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we did a lot of, there was like still life. And I, you know, I figured out, I learned how to um, really work journalistically, you know, find stories um identify trends interpret trends um work with photographers um that whom that my boss probably chose the photographers initially and then you know we you know you create relationships and um and you know we worked we did a lot in studio a lot of still life and then a lot a lot of house shoots um and you know we would have all the issues would be themed. So, I mean, I just learned really how to make a magazine, which is, you know, it's it's a very particular skill. I, I love I love that, and I still love magazines. Um, it 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 was it was great, you know. To we were shooting the first shoot I ever did was on ten eight film, which um, for the uninitiated is, you know, a very large format camera, um, and probably because you know, it's very expensive film. I think we probably had like three goes at it. You know, maybe, maybe we, I think maybe we did a black or black and white Polaroid and then a color one and then boom, you know, that was it. Um, so I think it, that taught me to be very decisive and, um, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of how it is now where you can kind of do a version of a version of a version, you know. And so, so yeah, yeah, it was it was it was great. And so, how did you end up then in um, in the US? Ah, uh, okay. So I I did what I I did that I I mean after I worked at that magazine, I worked freelance a lot, but mostly I did a lot of editorial. I kind of preferred that. Um, and then really, I'd been doing that for a very long time. I. I made my first book in 1999 um, 
and um that was exciting because i you know that then i was finally combining writing i did you know i always wrote on the magazines that i worked for a little bit but you know i do little news stories and profiles and not nothing very long form or never really was never a thousand words maybe 500 so i had an idea for a book um i met a publisher as a party i managed to convince him to you know do back this book which is great um so that was that was my first book boudoir it was cool it was surprisingly about bedrooms um and um that was great fun and then and then i met my husband just as i was finishing that book and we we got married and then he was offered um you know this is sort of speeding everything up but he was offered a job in in new york and it just seemed like why not because it's not an easy place to come to if you you know don't have a good reason um so we decided to come here so i'd already been uh styling and art directing and you know doing this thing in many different ways when i when i was freelance i started to do a lot of a lot let i mean maybe less editorial and more you know commercial jobs but paint companies fabric companies furniture companies um so yeah when i came here i had you know a very fleshed out career and i thought oh it'll be easy you know new york it's like but actually it was it wasn't easy at all i had to sort of start from scratch in many ways i feel and so with those and and I came with I came with a three year old as well, so that was that was another layer wow. to that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's quite impressive. And so, um, was, was yeah. your husband in the same kind of industry, like in the creative industry, or something completely different? Yeah, no, no, he's uh, yeah, he's he basically the he he makes he has a company that makes um, architectural stone and marble things like either staircases building facades fireplaces now they make furniture so that was yeah so we yeah we had a lot in common he'd also been an antique dealer for many years before he did that so yeah we had we had a lot in common and we'd already we'd done up a house together before we came here we sold that house we came here and you know that's another thing we like to do together so yeah we we've done a lot of you know we have a lot in common in that way and so and now he makes jewelry and he paints and whatever so finding those clients was that based on like existing relationships that you had with people that you were using for shoots or about getting clients because i know that's something that people often struggle with you know people who listen to this podcast it's yeah how do you find clients how do you get people to sort of take you on what was your approach Oh, it was, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. I mean, it was, I, I, it was very, I don't know. I came and I think we arrived at the end of 2006 and then 2007, I had a book, I had a book deadline. Um, the, so the first six months I wrote a book for my friend Josephine Ryan. I don't know if you're familiar. She's a very well-known English antique dealer. 
and she she had shot the book and then I had a I had a a deadline for writing it for her so um with Ryland Peters and Small so um that was that was a very silly idea to do <laughs> to do that because you know I came with I didn't know anyone I didn't I didn't have a you know any childcare I didn't have a nurse you know nothing so um yeah, I mean, I figured it out, but it was pretty dreadful. And but I sort of, I think I kind of got that book in on time. So I used to use uh, Pratt Library, which is the the art school in my neighbourhood, has this astonishingly beautiful library. That helped because it was a beautiful space to go and write in every day. So I so I got that done, and then I really, I I mean, I just write to people and they didn't write back to me basically (laughs) (laughs) lots of lots of emails heard from no one um made myself a beautiful website i mean i didn't make the website i found a great web designer she made me a beautiful website i'm sure no one looked at it um i um you know yeah i i mean i definitely tried to um to to uh, network, but it it just was it was terrible. Two thousand and eight was a terrible year where you know it was a recession and no one was working. So that was that was sort of you know my I was going into that was my sort of second year in a way. So that was bad. But actually, I had a friend from England who has a beautiful brand called Ochre. I don't know if you're familiar in Australia, but I'm sure you would have seen their their design. They do a lot of lighting. They have they started in England, but they have a beautiful store in Soho on Broome Street. And I started to work with them doing visual merchandising, and then they they wanted to um, make a sort of I guess it's a sub brand, um, so I created that brand for them, and it's called Canvas. It still exists. Um, so that was, you know, that was fun, and, and then I, I think I felt a bit more at home once I was doing that. Um, so that, yeah, that was easier to meet people, and um, eventually, through making that brand, I, I did find an agent. So that that was probably the first thing that helped me um, over here was was having an agent. I think it was really couldn't really do much without that. So. And was it hard to get the yeah. agent? Like, was that a process of? Oh God, yeah, yeah, okay, terrible. Yeah, I, I wrote. I mean, I wrote to people. I you know had this really beautiful website and I, that no one looked at. <laughs> I mean, I I I just. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I was also the mother of a four-year-old or five-year-old at that point. So I was still kind of doing a lot of juggling. So, um, yeah, I think, um, eventually a friend introduced me to an agent and she was, she liked something that I'd done for this brand that I'd created. And then she was said, okay, let's go. And that definitely helped. And then it sort of, you know, I guess it started to it started to move, and then um, Rylan Peters and Small, um, the publishers, 
So my house, my my place that we eventually moved into in Brooklyn and um, asked if they could shoot at the New York Times. So that was fun. And that I think that was a helpful thing as well. So uh, Penelope Green, who at that time, she, I mean, she does something else within the New York Times now, but um, that was a great, the home section, which was great. And that my house was in that. Um, I I had for the um, brand that I was creating canvas. I I I just pulled in all my friends all over the place, um, across people and makers to make things for that. And one of the things that we made was this pale pink. There was a a range of linen made in Kerala, and there was this pale pink. And I decided to get my sofa made in the pale pink which at the time was extremely unusual. Everyone was like, pink sofa? What? You know, it was, you know, pre-millennial pink. But, uh, and that was the sofa in the New York Times that was from my brand and et cetera, et cetera. So, and then Ryland Peterson Small got in touch and asked me if I wanted to make a book. And I think at that point I was sort of ready to make another book. So I did. And so, so that's, was, um, which that's one was that? Was the that that's called the stuff of right, life, yeah. which is really about collect coll- collecting and just and kind of still life and collecting, because at the time I was also uh, I started to discover the flea markets um, here. You know the, that was my you know big fun outing at the weekends and was going to flea markets and or going to Brimfield with my husband and um that you know we 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 didn't bring anything with us so we had to sort of make we made our house from flea markets basically and so and the sofa and the sofa yeah and so is everything in that book um because I'm people will be familiar with it when um when they see the cover, certainly, because it's, I, I remember yeah. seeing that book everywhere, you know, at some point. And um, it's, you know, it's a really beautiful book um, and the cover's beautiful as well. Did you shoot everything for that book? Was it like completely new content mm-hmm. or was it pulling yeah. on your portfolio at that point? No, I, I, I've never made a book out of anything, but, you know, shot it all for, for the book. Um, I've never picked a research the book. It's always been, you know, for that specific book. So, um, no, I shot with a uh, New York photographer, Anna Williams, and, you know, we we shot in my house, um, which, and, and, you know, for, for one story was my house, and then there were, you know, I went to Sweden, I went to Denmark, I went to Holland, I went to all sorts of places. So... But it was really, you know, that was focused on people who who are collectors and brilliant at making still lives. And, um, you know, it was all about personalizing your space. And I, I think, you know, at the time that was, you know, that felt right. And now, and I remember older friends of mine saying, soon you'll want to write a book about having nothing. <laughs> and I was like, but now I really understand that (laughs) I'm like trying to get rid of everything but 
but at the time I didn't I came with nothing so I I, I needed things to kind of tell a story with and uh so so now I'm I'm in my shedding phase but mono- it's, quite, it's quite funny how that goes. yeah but monochrome um home I mean that's kind of more of a minimalist slant I guess you know like definitely yeah you know much yeah. more pair back than the stuff of life yeah well that I I mean I well I made that but I think I got the deal to do two books um actually and then we we shot the obviously stuff of life first and then where I where I was really kind of making sense of kind of having a new home so I think that and acquiring things and that but then I was following um a a Danish blog called Emma's blog. I don't know if you ever saw that. And I I just became very aware of that look, which um, wasn't really here at all. People weren't really, monochrome wasn't really the thing here at all. Um, and, and I really loved this blog. Um, and I just thought, well, someone needs to do a book about monochrome. And I suggested it to my publishers and they were like sure let's do it so I did those books very close together um but then I chose Pia who's Swedish amazing Swedish photographer to shoot monochrome and um yeah I mean again yes I mean I very much went with um you know I I have very Catholic taste I like a lot of things but I I I think monochrome is 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 if you like a lot of things then that's actually a great way to go because then at least you're dealing with you know texture and shape and you know materials and it and and you don't have to worry about color so there's one anxiety goes away but um so it was it was you know great fun to do that and that book is still selling really well which is it's great to have a bit of longevity in a, in something like that. It's, it's pleasing to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we shot a lot in Scandinavia. And I haven't mentioned that when I was young, I lived in Denmark. So that, that whole aesthetic is very familiar to me. And then um, your more recent book since then was Nomad at Home as well, while we're talking about books. Um yeah, you know, it's no small feat that the fact that you've created. Well, you've mentioned your first book, which isn't on your website, but looks like five books. If they're old, <laughs> I think there are seven. Actually, okay. I actually worked on a book called Brooklyn Interiors as well, but I that wasn't just me. That was with a friend here. So, um, yeah, I think there's seven altogether, but that's you know including um one that I wrote and whatever. So yeah. But no, the the nomad is is really again, you know, it uh, my books start with a question, you know, my own questions and my own um, nosiness and thinking about, you know, you know, I want to know how other people decide to live in another country, and that's well, that's what that book was really about. I wanted, you know, I live somewhere that I don't belong to, and that is the feeling I'm just and actually you know you know you're a great writer and I like writing just as much as I like making spaces and the the writing is is important to me and the questions are important to me so that book evolved out of my own 
you know, itchy feet. Um, I always, I'm always looking, looking somewhere else. So I wanted to know how people, other people did it, how they landed, where they landed, and how they developed their lives. You know, that I, you know, I want to know those stories. Yeah, no, me too. Um, but creating a book is not a small feat. You know, like they're they're massive. I mean, well, no. from, from my from my perspective, like they kind of take over. My I life. know. <laughs> So how how you yeah I know I know how, you you've done so and so, so in such quick succession it I mean that it it no there are a lot it's my nomad I started really three years before it came out and that's usually my books come out very fast you know after I've started them because that's how they work that's how my publisher likes to work but um but no it I mean this it it I started it um. Before the pandemic, we were actually in Italy shooting, and my husband um, said, "You should really come home." And I was like, "Oh, I'll come home! I'm going to Sicily tomorrow. I don't want to come home." He's like, "No, I really, really think you should come home. It's, you know, this is getting crazy." I had friends here at Fashion Week in Milan, and they were, you know, taking cars to Paris because they didn't want to fly, and there's all sorts of craziness going on so um so yeah I, I my my photographer Mike said he was he was happy to go to Sicily so he went to Sicily without me which is you know I was fed up about that but I flew home and actually as soon as I got home I felt absolutely terrible and I'm pretty sure I had COVID but at the time I couldn't have a test so that that book was that was you know a lot that had a long gestation because because of covid really because then mike because he was swedish he was stuck in sweden and we couldn't you know there was sort of we just couldn't finish it so we had to wait a while to finish that but yes you, you know books books are not simple no so. And also, like you know, you're a mother, and that one you're a was wife, really you know, you're you're working as well. Like, how have you managed to kind of juggle all of those different things while creating all of these books? Because it's it's a lot to take on. Yeah, it's it's kind of pretty hellish, really. But um, but I really like making books. I mean, you must really like making books. I it it's what I understand. I mean, now I am star director of a newish print magazine. You know about Leanne, and I'm star director of her magazine, Feel Free, and that is so fun for me because that the that's what I understand. I know how to make books. I know how to make magazines. I like to look for stories. I like to you know find the red thread. I like to meet people I like to you know it's that's just such fun and um I I think you know if 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 there were a magazine you know if there had been magazines I could have worked for in that way before I probably you know would have done that too but but um but the book the sort of making a book it's just what makes sense to me it's I I guess I learned that's what I learned to do in my 20s so I I can't stop myself, even though it's so painful. I went to see my cranial osteopath the other day, who asked me, "Oh, so what are you gonna do? You know, what are you doing at the moment?" I said, "Oh, I think I'm gonna start another book." And she was like, "Oh no, <laughs> really?" Because <laughs> because she could remember probably me complaining about about the book. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> terrible, terrible. <laughs> it's interesting because I think for me, like I come from a magazine background as well. And I think that, you know, similar to you, you know, like styling on magazines, writing for magazines and, you know, it's there's so much fun and it's an enjoyable thing, but you're really restricted by, you know, what the publisher wants or the editor or, you know, all of those mm. things. Whereas a book, it's like, I get to do the thing that I want to do and, you know, have it mm-hmm. the way that I want it to look and have, you know, the content be about the topics that are interesting to me. And so it's kind of like that, you know, creative indulgence, I guess, in a way, um, which is really. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, sometimes you think, gosh, someone's get, you know, I, I mean, it's not a lot of money. It's a fraction. I lose a lot of money in a year that I make a book, you know, because I have to say no to so many things. My agents are always like, you know, really another book? Well, why? You know, but um, it's hard. It's hard for me not to scrap that itch because I get to be in charge of that little universe and and you know there's always a look as you know there's compromises things that you can't do you you set out with this intention you have you know and then there's so many moving parts I have to be my producer I have to be I have to be everything really um but um yeah in the way it's it's incredibly satisfying but yeah i mean it 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 addictive i guess <laughs> i don't know what to say but that's that's how i feel yeah no i understand i understand i'm at the moment I, i'm just feeling a little bit burnt out from books like i'm sure i'll come back to it again <laughs> but i just feel like i just need a little bit of a breather because i just know how much goes into creating one that like it's like you say you know you have to say no to a whole bunch of other things and yeah it's, uh, there's a challenge uh, in that a little bit as well you know particularly when you're just trying to pay the bills and do all the things so no it's, it's really hard it's really hard especially well you know it's like juggling different different parts of of what we do you know um that that's it that's it's it's not straightforward and you know you, you're you know you're constantly changing pace and also in I don't know if this happens to you but in America I have to fly to work a, a lot of the time I don't work in New York I'll be working in LA or Chicago or Pittsburgh or you know I can it I can very often you know not work in in New York for a month and be really away a lot a lot a lot so so you know it's hard to it's hard to to keep any kind of regularity and any kind of rituals and habits and that's sort of what I crave a bit you know when I've finished something but I do really love the right the writing part of a book because I like I like the fact that then I get to be still that's nice yeah you know so let's talk about your, um, you know, your relationship with Leanne Ford, your collaboration. You worked together mm. a lot. So how did that come about? You mentioned um, being a style director for her magazine, Feel Free, but you've also yeah. styled yeah. a lot of her projects as well. So, yeah, share yep. how that came about. Uh, well, she she just, I think she just started really um, seriously as an interior designer transitioning from fashion to interiors and she she I guess she found uh, monochrome home and she uh, wrote to me and asked 
I could come and style some of the places that she designed. And she was living in LA at the time. And while I do go to LA, um, I never know when I'm going to be there. So I was like, sure, when I'm there, next time I'm there, um, I'd love to do that. But it didn't, I guess it didn't happen immediately, but we always kept kept in touch. And then, but then she, everything, I think everything kind of started to take off for her. And Crate and Barrel, um, she had, she, you know, she was the first person that Crate and Barrel got to design a collection, um, you know, out of house, so to speak. So, um, she asked, she asked for me to art direct and style her, her first Crazy Barrel sheet, which was amazing. And actually in this place called the Philip Dixon house, which is, um, quite, a, an incredible location in LA, belongs to a photographer who I think he, I mean, he built it to be a location. Um, he's a fashion photographer. So he, you know, knew, how to um, make something that would be really easy to shoot in. Um, so that was also very exciting for me because it, it was the space that I put on my Pinterest board years ago. So that was great. And then I, we met each other and then we've been, you know, working with her crate collections and then her houses and, um, it's it's funny because you know she yes she's a designer but I, she calls me her finisher she 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 doesn't necessarily want to do that bit of it so that's what I do and it and it's really fun I love it yeah it's great to have you know to have a space that you just need to kind of take to another level it's 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 enormously satisfying I I love it and you know we obviously like the same things. So, um, and got on very well. So, uh, you know, we have, I think we have lots of things in common. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to work with her. So how would you describe, like, to someone who doesn't really know what styling is, they've kind of got a general sense, like, what to you is the difference between um, styling and, you know, interior design, interior decorating, like what, how do you define what styling is and how it's different to those kind of um, things? I know, like, I mean, to me, it's quite apparent because, you know, I'm so like, I, I know it's so all of those things so intimately, but I think there's still a lot of confusion about, well, what actually is a stylist? What does a stylist do? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that there are lots of, unfortunately, there's like different ways in which a stylist works. And I would say that one one of the things that, was apparent when I came to New York is that stylists in America work very differently from stylists in England. And I, I think you'll understand this because you have an editorial background as well. Um, many, many of the stylists who work here are, you know, will never have worked for a magazine and may never do editorial. Um, my, my interpretation of an interior stylist was always you know, someone who um, would seek out trends and, you know, whether it's a color or a shape or a texture or, you know, anything, anything that, you know, 
that you're feeling that's coming in the future and then interpret that and show how that works within an interior. And that's, that's what I was doing on the magazines that I work for. I was also always looking for new talent, um, you know, potters, glass blowers, you know, makers, um, going to all the shows, going to Milan, going to Paris, Maison et Objet. But it's really about, you know, being a journalist in that way. So that that was the, my magazine interpretation of it. But, but you know, there's also so many other ways of being a stylist, whether it's, um, you know, working commercially with, um, you know, a furniture brand, a paint brand. They're coming to you and saying, um, you know, you know, build a little world for us, I guess. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of build, you know, you're, you're either, you're, I mean, really, ideally, you're, you're putting the team together, you're choosing the location, you're finding the photographer. That's a very editorial way to do it. And, I, and here um, in the catalogue world, it, it is um, much more about you're given the product, you you basically play with it maybe you design a set or maybe you go on a you find you know you go on a location and you create a world in that way um i mean that's i there's a push and pull between the commercial and the editorial for me i don't i don't know what you think about how that's worked for you but um but here these worlds are quite separate although you know one does end up um i mean i like to do both things but um, and then, you know, obviously the other thing that one can be involved with is for magazines, you will go to a house that has been chosen and then you will make it, you know, polish it up to look its best, find it, find the best angles, work with the photographer to to tell the story of the house. I mean, that that's the kind of the easiest thing that you think oh definitely yeah i don't know that's yeah the easiest way of being stylist but i but i i think that you know again that's a very particular skill you have to you have to know you know how how that how to tell the story and and houses and you know they're all they're all so different shapes of rooms sizes volume you know so that's that again a huge amount of experience goes into, you know, knowing how to frame frame that house or a magazine. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the, all of those ways you've described styling definitely resonates with me and what I've done, and you know, colleagues of mine in Australia. And I think that increasingly, and I, you know, I'll be curious what it's like from your perspective in the US as well. That um, I feel that more and more interior designers, architects are using interior stylists to come into style shoots because of not only their portfolio for their website, but because social media is so huge now, I feel that people need to create a huge amount of content for online that they didn't have to do before. Like previously interior designers or architects would have websites and they'd invariably be out of date because it was so expensive to update a website Mm. because now it's so easy Mm -hmm. to update all these things. So so there's definitely um, stylists who specialize in working with interior designers to, as you say, finish the spaces, you know, make them look best as they can for 
um, websites, you know, Instagram, all of that, those kind of things. Do you work much with other yeah. designers or are you still? Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it's funny. I would say that that and I've realized that that is is becoming more and more the mark, a bigger and bigger market for people, just as you described it. That's that's huge because um as you say the instagram is the hungry beast it needs a lot of images and and um that i think more and more stylists are working that who i know in new york interior stylists or or, or you know just stylists who do various different things um they they are working more and more for architects and designers because these people need to constantly feed that beast and and also, you know, a lot of people don't really finish their homes. I mean, you know, I I feel that especially with with shelves, <laughs> people have all these shelves built, and then they don't have any books, and they don't have any things, and you know, they they don't choose. You know, they haven't figured out what to put on the shelves. So, um, I feel like that's a it's a huge area <laughs> of, uh, you know, for 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 a shoot and and for life. You know, there's, New York is full of empty shelves, as far as I can see, <laughs> that need love and and need that finish, that layer, that extra layer. So, can you just shine a little bit of a light on on your process? Like, what is your process when you? You go into somebody's home, somebody's got a home and their shelves are empty and they're crying out for some love. Um, what what do you do? How do you bring spaces to life? What's your kind of your process and the way that you would like to work and what you think helps spaces? Well, I think, I mean, ultimately, it's always better if the, if the people who, if it's a house, and the, there's a family, there's a couple, whoever, they live in the house. It's always better that what you put on those shelves has some, you know, resonance with them. You know, you want it to be something that means something to them. You know, um, so, I mean, I love, I I love, you know, looking at, um, you know, sculptures and, and found objects and, you know, you know anything that that kind of brings some kind of personality uh, is is always what I'm looking for, um, and you know I go to lots of flea markets, flea markets, and I got go to um, lots lots of um, you know makers and and you know I guess I'm always sort of trying to gather things. You know Instagram is fantastic for for you know kind of figuring out um new makers and um people i i've ordered some ceramics from um canada recently just because i found them on instagram you know i i think i just keep i save and save and save and save new things that i find and i i you know i'm trying to be more um selective with the with Things I think for some at some point there was like you just wanted I wanted I needed to have a lot of volume of things because it was easy. sometimes I just don't have a lot of time between jobs and I need to kind of take my own things. Um, but now I, I I don't know I really want I only want to have things that I really really like 
So, so yes, I have my own collections, and then, um, you know, sometimes I'll I'll try to shop for people and and put collections together for them that that you know that relate at least hopefully to things that they're interested in. So I do I work with a designer who'll you know tell me a bit about her clients, and then we'll try to put things together. You know, I don't want people to have things in their house that don't mean anything to them, you know? Yeah. Um, that whole idea of sort of books by the yard is a little sad, but, you know, sometimes that's what people want. Yeah, yeah. So give us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think... Sorry, sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say, so, I mean, um, it'd be... I mean, you can continue, but I, I'd love to kind of extend upon that and sort of learn then, so what does, you know, a, a kind of typical in inverted quotes week or day look like for you in terms of you know, the oh, kind of work that you're doing and you know even that whole process um of styling someone's home you know like going out sourcing then doing the work you know is it for more private clients or interior designers or are you doing kind of week-long shoots and campaigns all clients, <laughs> everything all of that yeah <laughs> All of all of those really, all of those things. Um, at the moment, I'm working with a client um, to um, really relaunch their website and their and changing their sort of brand identity. So that that's been a mixture of casting because um, we're doing some real people casting and and location finding. So that those shoots, the there's a mixture of shoots with people and um, directing video and um, that's all going to be a sort of body of work um, that that is, is going to be launched on a new website. And then we're also creating a, a, an identity for that client with, um, I, I, I mean, you'll understand this, you know, basically finding uh, an architectural style to if this company makes furniture so uh, a, a, a vernacular that that will be identified with the furniture so we'll kind of keep going you know the way boffy has those dark kind of moody interiors and and carl hansen used um the javier cordero house to to shoot furniture it's it's just ident kind of finding architecture to then be the setting for the furniture but to kind of keep going with that and create a universe so that's a fun that's a fun client um i mean i don't really ever have a week that's the same i would say because unless i'm shooting for a catalog and you know that will you know usually shoots are like one week or two weeks so you know you you will prep um i'll fly somewhere and then you know you'll be in at the studio or the location all week and and some you know we we get less and less prep days because more and more people want to only use their product which and and then maybe we'll make some art maybe we'll you know maybe we'll go and meet some artists we can borrow from or rent from and we'll but 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 that time for for a commercial job is is short. It's only the the time when you're gathering is is very short, and then you're really going to the flower market, um, and and just you know making the whole thing work in the studio. It'll be a set, 
maybe you know we've designed a set um set builders built it um so every day is is um you know you're you're basically making making these rooms all day long one thing i did want to ask you is I mean, for me personally, and I have four children, so it's perhaps slightly different circumstances, but one of the reasons that I sort of stepped away from doing as many of those kind of styling shoots and jobs was because it's it's, really tiring. Like it's, you know, you're physically moving things around a lot. You're, you know, you're running all around, getting the props, doing all the things. And, um, I mean, we moved away from the city as well, so that was part of you know the equation of it as well but I'm just curious about for you like do you do you find it energizing to you the kind of you know because it's a very physical work styling or or do you you know do you find it tiring I mean I'm just curious about your relationship with it I find it annihilating (laughs) but um but I have a lot of energy for things that I like doing um I I really like the I like the physicality of it, but um, but yeah, I'm I mean it is I I really um um you know I say no I say no to lots of things because I don't I don't want to do everything. I like being in I like to be in control of things. Uh, I'm working. I would say I'm more as a creative director than a stylist really now. I'm making sure that that is is more the way that I want to you know that I want to develop projects because I like to you know I like to create the whole when I when I finish a book I I I feel miserable because I you know I've been on a journey and you know with all with all the highs and lows but I've been in charge of that journey as much as I possibly can so it's hard for me to to then go back to like being part of something rather than you know ruling something if you see what I mean but yeah I know it's 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 exhausting for sure and and we work a standard 10 hour day um which is brutal and um quite often with you know there's overtime is expected and no I don't like that at all I I I think it's crazy um so no, I, whenever I can, I try to um, be in charge of all those things. So uh, I, I'm gener- I, I generate my own projects a lot, and um, and try to, um, you know, keep the parameters, you know, that, that work for me, you know. And and I could not have had four children because I, you know, I could. I mean, can I don't know how anyone does that. I have huge admiration for that but you know because because i i don't know how you how how do you how do you spend your your time i mean i know that you have your store i actually dabbled in having i I say dabbled because i was very bad at it i love buying things for people i love antique buying for stores and and i love merchandising but i've had my own store twice and i really didn't like it because but is your store actually a physical place as well as uh you know the online thing yeah we had it started online then we moved into a space covid happened and there was a series of events so we moved out of that space 
but we're actually um, I've been designing a new space and we're going to have like a showroom because it could have a warehouse and all of those sort of things as well so um, so it will again have like a, a physical space which I'm really enjoying and it kind of brings together those different elements and and I do I mean yeah my books have kind of taken up a huge amount of my time and I also do sort of online education which is really satisfying and yeah. I really enjoy that as well so yeah. um, that kind of just works in really nicely for me at this stage of my life with children at school and you know all of those things but um, yeah 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 I was just curious because the other question I wanted to ask you as well was you know and it relates to all of this is um, I mean you very much seem to be the stylist the kind of the go-to stylist that leading brands use you know people such as Leanne Ford and Obviously, you know, we live in a world now where personal brand is so big and it sort of seems like you haven't, you know, you choose to perhaps intentionally or not, I'm not sure you can shine a light on this, but. No, you know, you know, you know like oh, oh, yeah, it's interesting. It's some, a good some question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going forward and putting your face forward as like, I am the brand versus, you know, and sometimes yeah. it can be, you know, yeah. the front of it rather than actually yeah. doing the work. And I'm just curious about, if yeah. you're interested in that or you've deliberately stayed away from that you prefer to be behind the scenes you know what is it for you I don't yeah I don't perhaps prefer to be behind the scenes at all but I actually really I'm nearly 60 I just don't want to be on camera I really don't I'm too old I just don't want to have to worry about how I look I don't want to have to be on Instagram constantly I don't want to take selfies I don't it's it's age. I mean, I'm being very honest. I just don't want to do that. I just feel that that's too much pressure for a woman who's nearly 60. I don't want to do it. I, you know, I wish, I wish I could, I would love to feel, be more of a brand in the, in a sense, but I, you know, it's just, um, you know, I've been offered TV shows and all that kind of stuff, but I just think it's, I don't know. I just feel too much pressure. And that if I, if someone asked me when I was thirty-five, sure. But you know, Leanne's forty-two, so you know, it, and and still, that's it's just too much pressure. I think to to for for the, for you to have to be the brand and be on TikTok and and doing all that stuff. I just don't. Yeah, don't want to do that. I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather be um, writing a book. I think you know. Yeah. But but I think that's it is it is it's an interesting question. You know, I just I just think it's you know it's very difficult. I you know I love I love what I do and I love all the different bits of it. Um, but um, yeah, it's really hard to be physically identified with 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 that. I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, to be honest, I was very much happy to be behind the scenes. Like, I didn't want to do any of that until my first book was about to come out. And this was now five years ago. And I mean, literally, there was only one photo of me out there in the world, <laughs> you know, which was like my yeah. photo. And, um, and I kind of realized that for me anyway, I felt like I, I mean, that first book in particular, like I really poured my heart and soul into it. It was such a massive thing to do. And, and I thought I wanted to give it its best opportunity. And I thought, you know what, like I kind of have to put myself out there a little bit because 
you, you know, like it is so much about personal brand these days, but I completely understand yeah. what you're talking about. And, you know, maybe you're at a different, yeah. I mean, I'm, gosh, I, I never remember how old I am. I'm 47. Maybe but... you're, you're, you're definitely, you're, you're, you're 12 years younger than me. Basically. You know, so I completely yeah. understand. Like, yeah. you know, it, I don't know if I would want to be, you know, necessarily, you know, if I was 60, you, you know, kind of getting towards that point, you know, even to be honest, like in a few years time, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be doing this in a few years time, like still out there, you know, having to stick my face on things. But I understand as well, like people, you know, it resonates and, you know, there's, there's benefits, but it is, it's a different headspace. It's a different skill. It's a, it's a different experience. There's pros and cons to everything, I think, you know, and I mean, I think, oh, no, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. a different landscape that we're all navigating as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, who who knew that that would be the way things would develop? I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's, I actually have a lot of fun being behind the scenes with Leanne because, you know, it's, you know, it's fun to, you know, work on, you know, setting up the, the brand, you know, the new collection and, you know, playing with all the stuff. It's, it's fine. I mean, you know, I, I, I've had collections of products with, um, Bloomist and I have some, I'm, I'm working on a paint collection, a lime paint collection at the moment. Um, I, it, it, I, it's just, you know, marketing is, is a huge, huge part of it. And I, I think it, you know, it's interesting that now really you sort of have to stick your face on it but does but 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 you know I'd love to do it and not have to stick my face on it yeah you know and then having said all that like you know I love when I see people like Diane Keaton you know as an example of a woman who's got incredible style and who's still doing her thing and putting her face out like because why should we disappear you know like why should women disappear because no you know know, so it's it's like I see that side of it as well and there's a part of me that thinks you know you know yeah I'm not in my 30s anymore but I'm you know I want to be part of the conversation too and you know like women should still be part of the conversation the style conversation I agree 40s or 50s or 60s and beyond or whatever it is so yeah yeah no, no, I agree. I, I mean, I think I think the the thing is that um, just the way the way that things have developed, that's you know that is that is definitely the the that's the the most um, you know the the most the sort of e- I guess the easiest way to to um, really get. Um, people's attention which you know there's something great about that but I I just I just think um it's just that takes a lot you have to be very brave and very self-confident to do that I think and um I'm not not confident I think the thing the sad thing about when you get to your 60s is that you probably are the best at what you do you've been in your whole life you know you'll you have a huge amount if you you know you have if you stuck to one thing you have a huge amount of experience and um you really know how to solve problems extremely quickly and you know all the workarounds and you know but at the same time if if you know if you if you don't want to be visible you know it's it's it is it's 
it's a strange it's a strange problem to have because on the one hand you feel very powerful and on the other hand you you'll you know you sort of you you, you don't feel powerful because you know it's you know it's it, it's strange you know it's a it's a funny thing to have to think about i wonder if men think about mm. this i don't know <laughs> i wonder too all right i'm going to go into the last um you know we've got like some more rapid fire style question to get some more yeah. personal insights sure. into you and your journey so the first question is which five words best describe you um oh gosh um eccentric um energetic um i'm also i call myself a horizontalist i like to <laughs> work hard and rest hard um uh nosy um curious um um that's five impatient (laughs) (laughs) and also i can't count (laughs) i can relate to a lot of those though except for maybe the uh horizontalist i'm 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 not very good at oh well yeah still, got, but yeah you got four children <laughs> um I, my 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 son's 20 so i i get it you know like when i'm not when i'm not vertical i can be horizontal <laughs> um what's the best lesson you've learned or one of the best lessons you've learned on your sort of journey so far uh um, I th- I mean, coming to America, I had to relearn everything. Um, to be commercial, I mean, I w- really didn't understand that at all. Um, America taught me to to understand business a little, and and um, and also to I, I'm learning more and more and more to to say no. I think no, I would say is that's all you got in 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 this in the kind of business I'm in is, is, you know, I was waiting all week last week whether to find out whether I was going to London next week to work. Um, you know, everything is always a, you know, there's always a wait and a, a, and, and sometimes the only power you have is to, is the no, but that also is, is powerful and, and helps you shape what you're going to do. Mm. What's your proudest achievement? Oh gosh, um, uh, um, <laughs> making books, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I think, you know, books are scary sometimes, and you know, you, it's you, you have a small budget. You're, you know, you're, you're. Sometimes you're thinking, why? You know, is anyone even going to bother reading this? I, and people often say to me things like, well, no one's going to read it, <laughs> which um, I find very annoying, given that I actually really care about the writing. Me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I still, I guess those are, those, I am proud of, of those, I guess. But, you know, I'm always, I'm about the next thing. I'm an Aquarian, so... I'm about the future. That's very, you know, I'm always, I finish a book, I'm on to the next one. Yeah. That's, that's just how I work. Me too. I'm not Aquarian, but I'm like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> what's, um, what's been your best decision? 
gosh. Ooh. Mm, maybe just um I think just I think I was right to decide to be a stylist. I think it was a good job for me, you know, it worked out. Yeah. I think you know, jumping into this world, I I knew I could do it instinctively and I think it was it was that was the right decision for sure. I'm just curious as well. But also I sorry, keep going. No, go on. Sorry. Yep. No, I was gonna say I also for me, um the 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 writing part of it is also very important, which I think confuses the hell out of people because people want you to be one thing. They want you to be either visual or or a words person. And I I I think I'm good at both. Mm. So I was yeah. going to ask you about your decision to to stay in America as well. Um, what do you <gasps> What do you love about America and or New York? Why have you decided to stay all these years? Oh, I, I'm always leaving. I'm, <laughs> I spend my whole every Friday. I'm leaving. Um, I, I mean, America is you know it, it, it's a hard. She's a hard mistress. I think New York, but. I mean, you get the opportunity to to do things. You have to be, it's a crucible. You have to be very, very good at what you do. And um, there's a lot of competition and you have to be very determined. And yeah, I mean, I learned, I never was very good at having assistants until I came here. And now I have the most fantastic assistants, amazing assistants. I've learned how to be a bot, I think. So... Uh, and that's thanks to the way things work here. And I've had, yeah, I've had, you know, opportunities to work in a, you know, bigger way with bigger budgets, and that that's been great. Um, but you know, I I miss Europe terribly, so um, I'm always moaning about that. But um, but America's a great place to learn how to be a business person, you know, even if you are a creative. I think. Yeah. So do you so think you'll end up retiring in Europe or in England? Yeah. I mean, not, England's, England's kind of a mess right now. Um, I love England very much. I miss it a lot. I go home a lot because I have a 90-year-old mother. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do really love England, but um, I'm not sure. I, I, Europe, definitely, not necessarily England. So, yeah, I've, I've got plans in that direction yeah i'm curious where where would yeah. be your your sort of ideal place to to sort of put down stumps in europe well i've been we've been looking at mallorca um i think that um you know i mean that was a little bit random in a way i mean you know around uh, mallorca greece um france i love um, Italy, I love, um, but, uh, I just had, I just had a friend who, who made a fantastic home in Mallorca and is enjoying it a lot. So, um, I was just, um, I was curious. I'd been there before and curious about it and started to look at houses there. So we're, we're still looking at that. I mean, to me, once you've lived in America, Europe seems so small and accessible and you can you know, hop on a plane and be in London in under two hours and that's 
seems like nothing to me. So mm-hmm. I think once you've lived in a big place like this, you 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 know, it, it almost doesn't matter where where it is in Europe. You know, I looked at Puglia, I looked at I don't know. Um, it's it's almost too hard to to decide. Um, but um, yeah, I'm still looking. I'm going to Mallorca in in September. So I'm uh yeah still looking at houses there. Yeah, be yeah, spoilt for choice. Um, <laughs> who yeah. inspires you? Ooh, um, I mean, I I always feel that the the thing that inspires me the most seeing seeing films and going to art exhibitions, going to museums, and you know that's that's what I like to do to. I, it's more it's not so much a who more of a you know just always being hungry about seeing seeing films that you know with visual references that that I you know that I sort of eat up and store in my head and um you know going to going to see I mean some quite often seeing paintings that I've seen many times before I, I don't know I feel that's what you pull on as a stylist it's that that's your you know visual library that sticks in your head that's that's what I like to do mm-hmm. um so yeah doing that I think what are you passionate about oh travel um I mean always want to be traveling and but I love cities I really I really find cities um very inspiring and I love to get to know them and I love to feel that I have some familiarity with with places you know be it Paris or Rome or just walking and taking everything in just give me a new city and I'm happy I I, I love that and swimming I like to swim that's that's my way of turning not exactly turning off it's where I have my best ideas when I'm swimming it's very meditative isn't it when you sort of get in the flow of it. yeah 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 what yeah. dream do you still want to but, fulfill gosh so, so many I mean yeah I'm I'm very yeah I'm yeah I'm always always have many 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 things I want to do um, I mean, I'd like to write a non-fiction book. I mean, sorry, the opposite. I'd like to write a novel. I would like to write something that isn't about interiors. <laughs> that would, I would very much like to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably enough of a goal, I think. Yeah. What are you reading? What's on your bedside table or on your coffee table at the moment? I just... I just read a fantastic book by Helen Garner. Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah. Which one? Australian. You know, can you recall which one? Um, um, it's it. Yeah, it's the one about. Um, I can't. Cannot. Really, I didn't. It really didn't take in the title, but it's about um, her friend coming to stay with her. Who's having? Who has cancer and he's yes. basically dying. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've read that book. one. It's a beautiful book. I can't think of the name of it either. But we'll put it in the show notes. So, <laughs> I read that one years ago. Yeah, so it's so beautifully written and just yeah, so astonishing. I, mm. I kind of 
gulped it down in one sitting. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, I, you know, like many people, I, I stopped reading so many novels and got, you know, in the sort of loop of endless scrolling and Instagram and Pinterest, and just, I'm just trying to read more books at the moment, um, which I find is, you know, great. It's just sad that I, don't, I don't know why, why that, you know, I could have spent, um lockdown reading books i did actually make a lot of flower arrangements that was my my way of of sort of feeling good during the the, the pandemic but um i wish i'd read a whole lot more books i love reading and and i yeah i'm i'm sad that um you know i didn't fill my days with more more reading but i was i was the ridiculous thing was i tried to read the 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 emails in my inbox what that they never do that it's ridiculous <laughs> you know there's so many yeah it's impossible what about what are you listening to do you listen to podcasts or otherwise do you like to listen to music yeah i i mean i i do i love but i'm a radio four person i i'm i've listened to radio um since i was about 11 or 12 and always the BBC um, Radio 4 or Radio 4 Extra I listened to that religiously online and then yeah I started to listen to a lot of podcasts I really liked podcasts because I I you know being a radio listener podcasts are you know perfect for me so mm. um I like um I like listening to um the modern house podcast is, mm-hmm. is great and i like um i i i like that's there's so there's so many of that i'm sort of trying to expand my um podcast um you know the ones that i subscribe to because because really naturally i'll just go to listen to women's hour which is this radio four program that that i you know been around for i don't know 50 years or something i listen to you know, all those, that, that makes me feel that I'm still in England, which I love, you know, it's, an, it's a very cosy feeling, although, you know, the news is, is often depressing, but I, I, I love that, that, that particular, um, you know, listen, listening to, to radio, there's even the food program, which seems ridiculous, um, as a concept, but it's, that's one of my favorite, um bbc radio program wonderful yeah so good and finally what piece of advice would you give to your younger self oh gosh um um take no notice of your mother (laughs) i wish i do wish i i'd sort of stuck up for myself and and gone to art school not never too late but um you know, I mean, I loved university and, and I, and it was great, but, um, but I, I, I think, you know, don't, as a, uh, as a young person, you know, if your instinct is that you want to do something, if, even if people aren't enthusiastic about it, I think you should do it. So stick to your guns. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed 
you know, finally getting to know a little bit more about you and your story and all the things, the many, many things that you do. And it's been, yeah, really insightful. So thank you so much for your time today and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And I know I want to ask you lots of questions. <laughs> anyway, one day I'm, I'm going to, I, I really, I've never been to Australia, which is pretty crazy. So um, one day I will, because I have good friends there, but I'd love to, I'd love to ask you questions. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I hope to, I keep uh, meaning to, I haven't really done a proper travel since, since COVID. So um yeah, it's time, I think. It's time to do a trip and, you know, get back into the swing of it. So who knows? Maybe we can meet up in New York or something like that, something fun. Well, if you, yeah, if you come, let me know and, and let me help you, you know, plan whatever, you know. We, I'm sure Leanne would like, love to meet you too. So, sounds yeah, sounds like a good idea. All right. <laughs> that sounds so good. Thanks very right. much. Thank you. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.